Chapter 32 I was just rolling into my third hour of sleeplessness when the door to my room creaked open. I was on guard instantly, bolting upright and wrapping one hand around my bedside lamp. Sound extreme? Not when you've been ambushed in your sleep as many times as I have. Who's there? I whispered. Nudge? She'd been utterly devastated over stupid Sloan, crying for at least 40 minutes after he had called her a freak and hightailed it out of the parking lot. I wouldn't be surprised if she wanted yet more comforting, even if I wasn't necessarily the best comforter in the world. No, it's me. Very recognizable voice. Completely unexplainable, what he was doing here, but recognizable. I put the lamp down and flicked it on. Standing in the doorway was Dylan, looking tired and rumpled and sheepish. What the heck are you doing in my room? I asked, incredulous. It's past midnight. I'm sleeping. Well, trying to. We hadn't talked after Ari's little visit. I'd been too freaked out by his news about Fang, and too preoccupied with Nudge's tears. And then I'd stalked off to my room to try to make sense of things. No luck there. Dylan shuffled awkwardly. I was wondering if there was any way I could stay in here tonight. He mumbled the last words, but I still got them. I made a sound reminiscent of a cat dying. What? I hate being alone at night, he muttered while I gaped. I know it's stupid and lame, but I mean, I'm not like you. I haven't been alive for 15 years. The truth of that statement hit me harder than it should have. It was just so easy to forget that Dylan had been created only two years ago when he looked my age. A lot's been happening lately, he went on in a rush. Usually, I just deal with it but it's a lot to absorb, and I was just lying there in bed thinking about all the screwed-up things that Ari guy said, and... I don't know. Yeah, sounded a bit like my evening. He looked up at me, hopefully. So, can I stay in here? Just for the night? On the floor or something? I hesitated a second more, then sighed heavily and gave a tiny nod. Relief crossed his male model face. He came in dragging his quilt behind him like a little kid, and closed the door quietly. Thanks. He looked embarrassed to be needing something, to be this vulnerable. I could have eviscerated him just then, but I hadn't. Because I am a freaking princess about other people's feelings. No prob, I said. Pull up a patch of floor. He shook the quilt out and lay down with lithe grace, his smooth muscles rippling. I swallowed trying not to think about how those arms had brushed against mine in the theater. He tucked his wings behind him as he lay on his side. None of us were back sleepers, for obvious reasons. With one hand, he reached back and pulled the quilt over him. He looked big and strong and vulnerable, and really, really... appealing. I flicked the light off and threw my pillow down to him. It landed on his face. Thanks, he said again, pulling the pillow off and bunching it up under his head. This is just for tonight. 
It better be, I muttered, then drifted back to the thoughts that had been eating away at me. Everything that Ari had said had been growing larger in the quiet of the night. Dylan? I said after a few minutes. Hmm? What did Ari mean about cease and desist? Why would he come looking for you if you'd never met him before? Dylan didn't answer for such a long time that I thought he'd fallen asleep. Finally, he sighed. I don't understand any of it. I never understand why anyone involves me in anything. I rolled my eyes. I had little patience for self-pity, and if I'd had another pillow, I would have chucked it at him too. He said not to worry about Dr. Gunther I pressed, my voice sounding small and shrill in my ears. Maybe he meant you shouldn't be worrying about being my perfect other half, like Hansi said. Maybe he meant you should stop pursuing me. Maybe, he said quietly, and my heart thundered in my chest. I was glad I couldn't see his face in the darkness. But I can't, Max. You know I can't. We were quiet again, each of us listening to the other's breathing. Finally, Dylan exhaled, long and slow. Good night, Max. I stared at the ceiling, willing my thoughts away from his body, his breath. Good night, Dylan. Chapter 33 A Chart Comparing Fang and Dylan Fang Knows me better than anyone, both a positive and a negative. Dylan Practically just met me, less blackmail material. Fang Can completely trust him. Probably. Dylan Seems trustworthy, so far. Fang Helps me stay tough. Dylan Helps me admit that I can't always be tough. Fang Doesn't care about social skills, like me. Dylan A freaking social butterfly. Compliments my antisocial behavior. Fang Has eyes that seem to see inside me. Not good. Dylan Has eyes that make me forget myself. Not good. Fang is capable of bringing the meaning of irritating to whole new levels. Dylan is capable of pretty much the same thing. Fang, almost like a brother. Ack. Dylan, not like a brother. At all. In any way. Fang, closed off. Dylan, makes darn sure that I know every single emotion going through his head. Fang, I don't know how to act around him anymore. Dylan. Easy to be around. Fang. Never told me he loved me. Writing it in a letter right before he deserted me doesn't count. Coward. Dylan. Loves me. And told me so. Right to my face. Gulp. Fang. Intense. Powerful. Moves in a way that makes me ache to touch him. Dylan. Strong, beautiful, looks at me in a way that makes me ache to... Scratch that. Fang, still having dreams about the way he kissed me. Dylan, ditto. Fang, don't know where he is right now, because he freaking left. Dylan, is right here with me, now, always. It was a pretty complete list. The kind of list one makes when one cannot fall asleep because one's thoughts keep swirling through one's brain like a bunch of sparrows on crack. 
I put down my notebook, rolled over, and gazed at the floor. Delon had rolled over onto his other side, and was facing the opposite wall, his quilt balled up at his feet. He was a turbulent sleeper. Unlike Fang, who was quiet and self-contained. I started to add that to the list, but then thought, who cares? I frowned at Dylan's sprawled limbs. He couldn't possibly be comfortable. He was probably cold. Hey, you cold down there? I whispered, leaning over the edge of the bed. He didn't answer, seeing as how he was asleep and all. I watched his breathing, slow and steady, the shadow of his abdominal muscles rising and falling under his bunched-up t-shirt. I tried to slow my own breath, but it thundered quick and ragged in my ears. Before I knew what I was doing, I was out of bed with my own comforter. I felt sorry for him. Yeah, that was it. Really sorry for him. As anyone would. The floor was freezing against my bare feet. I padded over to Dylan and carefully lay down next to him. He shifted, coughing, and I froze. After two long minutes, satisfied that he was still asleep, I curled into him, drawing my comforter over us both. I felt the warmth of his body against mine, his breath on the back of my neck, making the tiny hairs rise. We fit like two puzzle pieces, just like we were supposed to. The whole designed to be my perfect other half thing. Gah. But you know what? Just this once, I was going to shove away all my angst and confusion and fear and just focus on the present. Which happened to be very warm. Maddeningly warm. My whole body felt tingly. With that thought in mind, I pressed myself closer against Dylan's sleeping form and closed my eyes, drifting into the sweetest sleep I'd had in a long, long time. I wasn't sure I ever wanted to wake up. Chapter 34 The next day at school was, predictably, a complete horror show. Not for me, for once, but for Nudge, who'd been publicly spurned and ridiculed by Sloan in front of all the popular girls. In less than a minute, this new gossip was all over Facebook and Twitter. About eight hours later, I was wrapping my knuckles against the door to Nudge's room. As soon as we'd gotten home from school, she'd gone in there and locked the door behind her, and she didn't come out for dinner. I couldn't blame her. Things had only gotten worse after Sloane's scaredy-cat retreat. God, I should have unleashed a can of whoop-ass on him. Nudge? Come on, open the door. Let's make popcorn. Go away, Kim Nudge's weak voice. Don't want to talk about it. We don't have to talk about it, I said. Please, no more talking about it, I beg you. I just want to make sure you're okay. Open up, will you? We can make hot chocolate. After a few moments of silence, I heard her trudge across the room. The door opened. Nudge's face was stained with the tears she had been holding in all day. Rivers of mascara ran down her cheeks. Her big brown eyes were puffy and bloodshot. I had no idea what to do. I'd already offered popcorn and hot chocolate. What else was there? It's just getting worse and worse, moaned Nudge. First, it was just stupid gossip. Now I'm an outcast. They all think I'm some kind of circus sideshow. As usual. Come here. I murmured, putting my arms around her. I know it's a drag to have everyone at school treat us like lepers, to put it mildly. 
but they're just gullible prejudice jerks. Typical avian American prejudice. I eased her head onto my shoulder, which I should have lined with paper towels first. I'm really sorry Sloan was such a butthead, I said soothingly. But sweetie, he's so unworthy. You deserve better than that. You deserve someone who's going to love you, wings and all. I'd hardly ever seen such sadness on her face. That's easy for you to say. You have two guys that love you. She looked up at me, and I didn't know what to say to her. I don't have anyone. I swallowed nervously. Guiltily. That's not true. You have us. I blurted out, knowing full well how lame that was. The flock was awesome and all, but it just can't be compared to the rapture of being loved, held, adored. In that... different way. I quickly shook off the pleasurable shiver that shot down my spine as I remembered spending the night on the floor next to Dylan. Listen. Soon, we'll blow this popsicle stand and move on. And then you'll never have to deal with any of them ever again. And then you can have fun spurning them when they beg for your autograph. I smiled, pulling her close. But Nudge wasn't amused. I don't want to move on, she cried, pulling out of my arms. Can't you see that? I don't want to spurn them. She made air quotes with her fingers, glaring at me. How had I become the enemy here, exactly? I just want to... Her voice broke, and she drew in a trembling breath. I just want to be liked by them, Max. And then Nudge burst into tears. Again. Crap. Oh, sweetie, I said helplessly, uncomprehending. I had spent very little energy in my life trying to be liked by anyone. Come here, sit down, I said, taking her hand and tucking her toward the bed. Then I saw the entire thing was covered with crumpled up pieces of paper. A pair of scissors was laying on top of a stack of teen magazines, all of which had been mangled and cut to pieces. Nudge, what's this? Nudge blew her nose miserably and gestured at a pile of blocky, badly cut out shapes. Those are from my scrapbook. I picked up one of the shapes. It was a photo of a pretty teenage model, smiling brightly at the camera, wearing some sort of sparkly outfit with furry boots. Blech, I said, and put the photo down. The next photo was another pretty model. So was the next one. And the next. What kind of scrapbook are you making, exactly? I asked Nudge cautiously. Her bottom lip quivered. I want to be like them. Like those girls. I raised my eyebrows. You want to be a model? No. She sighed dramatically, rolling her eyes. I want to not be a freak. Nudge, normal is way overrated, I began. Deja vu. Oh yeah, it's super lame to just want to have friends and to want to be kissed like everyone else. She laughed bitterly. You sound like the white coats. Being lab experiments doesn't make us better, Max. We aren't enhanced. We're mutants. Wow. I had to remind myself that this was not the sweet nudge I knew. This was a love-scorned girl who had just been through a day of despicable bullying. This was a love-scorned girl who had just been through a day of despicable bullying. I was lucky she wasn't actually breathing fire. And if we were normal, there wouldn't be people trying to kill us, she pointed out. Well, probably, I admitted. But I guarantee you, people at the school would still do mean things to nice kids for no reason. That's just the way life works. Nudge shook her head. 
No, you know what? There's only one answer to all our problems. This didn't sound good. What is it? I asked warily. She snatched the scissors off the bed and looked so utterly reckless that it sent me into a panic. Nudge! I gasped. But Nudge turned for me and eyed a poster on the wall. A publicity poster of the whole flock, from our days as a flying sideshow. And then, lightning quick, she let the scissors fly with as much skill and fury as she displayed battling erasers. With a hollow thud, the blade struck the image of Nudge's wing and embedded themselves deep in the wall. I swallowed, my throat suddenly dry. My own wings twitched under my shirt. Then she clutched one of her normal girl photos to her chest, her eyes fierce with determination. The only answer to our problems is getting rid of our wings, she said. Removing them forever. I'm going to do it someday, Max. I swear it. Chapter 35 Fang opened his eyes blearily. Above him was nothing but clear night sky, dotted with millions of tiny, glittering stars. It was beautiful. It was quiet and calm, and yet for some reason, he'd woken up. He sat up, quickly scanning his surroundings for anything threatening, anything that might have made some sort of noise. He always found it weird, nowadays, to wake up alone. Until this past year, waking up had always meant being flung into the noise and chaos of the flock. The flock. Fang had thought that it would get easier, being away from them, as time went on. He'd thought wrong. He'd thought they'd be fine, even better off, without him, and that it would be easy for him to pursue whatever mission he had if he didn't have to worry about them. Now, he wasn't so sure. And then there was the gang. Fang sighed and lay back down, making hardly a sound on the dew-dampened grass. Why had he ever thought that would work? Why had he tried? The gang had gotten Maya killed. Feng swallowed and closed his eyes. Maya was dead. And though Ari kept demonstrating a freaky jack-in-the-box ability to come back from the dead, Feng was pretty sure Maya was gone for good. And the others. He'd really let them down. Feng frowned and pulled his jacket tighter around himself, turning on to his other side. He wasn't used to letting people down. He was used to coming through for other people. He thought being on his own meant that he could make all the decisions by himself, that he didn't need to rely on Max to do all the thinking. The bad thing was that he had no one to discuss decisions with, no one to bounce ideas off of. Admit it, you idiot. It's more than that. You miss her. Feng thought. He sighed and rolled onto his back, restless. He was exhausted, thinking about it all. But not exhausted enough to fall back to sleep. She doesn't need you. He reminded himself, she has the winged wonder by her side. Maybe being on your own is just too hard? No, he couldn't think that. Fang. Fang jerked, startled, and peered into the dark trees and shrubs around him. Fang, nobody's there. Oh, man. The voice, or rather, voice, wasn't coming from around him. It was coming from inside him. Not again. He had to wonder, was this the same voice Max got? Where did it come from? Why was it appearing in his brain now? Sure, all of them had heard the voice at one time or another, but Fang definitely didn't want this to become an everyday thing. Okay, what is it? Fang thought. What do you want? It's, it's time, time to go, go, Fang. The voice replied. 
She does need you now, more than ever. Who needs me? He asked, but he already knew the answer. Go home to Max, 